So I'm out there riding in the neighborhood, and we come to this giant hill in the neighborhood. They're like, they got their helmets on, you know, they got everything on, and they, they fly down the hill. I'm like, awesome. And I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I have this little tiny voice inside <laughs> that says to me, I don't know if you should do this. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> but I just ignore that voice because I want to be impressive. I want to be dad. And so I put my ginormous foot on one of those little tiny scooters and I start down the hill and I am going, going, and it speeds up and it's going so fast. I cannot believe how fast this is going. And it's going so fast that I'm there and I realize I'm not going to be able to stop this thing. And I'm like, you know, it's like going like this. I'm like, oh, I just got to keep it together all the way to the bottom. I mean, I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, my skin is going to be scraped off of my entire body. I'm going to have road rash everywhere. And I'm, so I'm going down and I'm sly, flying down. I'm thinking, I don't know how to, I can't stop this thing. I know there's this little break there, but at that moment, I didn't really realize the break was there. So, uh, so I'm flying down the hill and I, so I think to myself, all right, I got to land in the grass. How can I get to the grass? So I hit this, this driveway of this house. <laughs> And I hit the drive. As soon as I hit the driveway, I kind of fly off of it because it hits the, the little step there. And I tumble three somersaults into the grass. Yeah. And then I, I'm up. And I'm like this. And my kids are like. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Dad, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, no, it wasn't. That was the scariest thing I've ever done. I could have been so hurt. And so I, but I, here's what happened. I, I ignored that little voice. And I think for, for so many of us, what we're trying to discover as, we, uh, as, we're, as we're going through this series is what does it sound like for God to speak to you with that still small voice? What, is it, what does it sound like? How, how does it work? And I, I believe that for those of us who are Christians, that when you've given your life to Jesus, that little voice in there, whether it's, you might call it your conscience or you, or you call it, you know, part, just part of your own internal self-talk, that begins to be transformed, supercharged by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to you along with that inner voice, and we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Today, I want to talk to you about the inward witness of the Holy Spirit, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. And so if you look in John chapter 8, verse, four, or verse 47, it says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. That means if you belong to God, if you're God's kids, you can hear what he says. Romans 8.14 says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. If you're a child of God, you can be led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He lives here. He, his presence dwells here on the earth. Jesus sent him here when he uh, went to heaven. Romans 8.14 talks about your birthright as a child of God. You, you can hear God's voice. It's your right. You can hear what he's saying. If you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, if you're not 
able to hear his voice, then something is going wrong. You need to discover it. You need to be led by him. And so, so I believe the greatest reason why people uh, are not being led by the Spirit is that they simply do not understand the practical way this ha- ways this happens. You can think about all the ways it happens in the Bible. I mean, there's angelic visitations. You can hear the audible voice of God. You can he- see, have a dream or a vision. You can, you can um, see something written on the wall. All of that happened in the Bible. But the truth is, these are usually the exceptions and not the rule. See, because the work of God in us, in the Old Testament, the, the Spirit of God would come onto a person. This is Old Testament, Old Covenant. The Spirit of God would come on a person and they would do powerful things. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with us and live in us. God himself. What could be better than Jesus running around the planet doing his own miracles? Thousands, millions of people running around the planet with God's spirit in them doing miracles. That's, what's, that's what the miracle is. And so that's God speaking to us because here's, here's the most common way that you and I hear God's voice is we hear God's voice when the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. I want you to underline that little... Those two little words, bears witness. Underline those two little words. Because look at this in Romans 8, 16, just a few verses down from what we just read. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Bears witness in the original language means to corroborate. To corroborate. Or to give evidence. I want you to think about this because why do you need... Why does something need to be corroborated? Why do we need evidence? When the court of law, right, when somebody's accused, right, there's been a statement made and and the defense comes to your aid and says, your honor, this person could not have committed the crime. Why? Because they were in an entirely different city and we can prove it, right? It's corroborating evidence. It's it's, um, to give evidence means to give, to, to back up something that has already been stated. I like that. Something that's already been stated. Here's the point. God's already said, said something to you and to me, and now the Holy Spirit is here to bear witness to what he's already said. You're his kid. You're his child. He's got lots for you to do. He has a purpose for you, and the Holy Spirit begins to communicate this to you. He begins to walk with you. He begins to speak to you. And I think it's fascinating because the Holy Spirit is the one that bears witness about who God is, and Acts 1.8 says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be his witnesses. And so what the Holy Spirit does to us when he comes into our lives is he makes us a witness to what God has already said as well to the world. So here in this, in this verse, the Apostle Paul is describing that the Holy Spirit gives us an inward witness. And here's a few things to understand about inward witness. The inward witness is a response. Everybody say response. It is a response. It's not something you do on your own. You've got to have a plan or an idea or an action or direction. And then the Holy Spirit brings a witness against or for it. For it, if, if he wants you to move forward. Against it, if he wants you to hold on. So it's a response not something you're initiating. The inward witness is also not a feeling. 
It's not a feeling. It's not just some good feelings you got. And there's people who have the feelings. I got this feeling. I got that feeling. I just feel like this. No, it, the, the inward witness of the Holy Spirit is deeper, more mature, more meaningful, more spiritual. It's more than a feeling. The inward witness is actually a confident knowing. Everybody say knowing. There's a confident knowing on the inside from the Holy Spirit. When I met Amy, I thought that I loved her, right? Because she's, she's so beautiful. She's really an amazing person. She has deep character. She's really, uh, she's really an impressive person. And I could see it, but the longer I knew her, the more I started to have a confident knowing, this is it. How do you know if you're supposed to marry somebody? This is the mystery, isn't it? And in a similar way, right, you know, you know what God is saying when you know it down here on the inside. And, I, and, and so I think unpacking this mystery today is part of what we're doing in this series. Like being more sensitive to the idea that he wants you to, wants to direct your steps, that he wants to move you forward. I'm going to use a scripture to kind of illustrate this, and it's a, a story about the Apostle Paul, and it's in Acts 16, verse 6 through 10, and he says, and they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into the, to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when, the Paul, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding, everybody say concluding. Circle that word in your little, your little notes there. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Did you notice the number of places that the Apostle Paul attempted to go preach the gospel? In those verses, there's six of them. Six places that they were trying to go. And they went here, and they went there, and then they had to bypass this place because it was, it, was, it was clear that the Holy Spirit didn't want them to go there. I want you to think about this because the Apostle Paul and his team, they, they weren't just sitting around. They weren't just twiddling their thumbs, waiting for God to tell them something to do. He'd already told them some pretty important things. He had said some words to them that they were acting on, what they should do and where they should go. They were following the general instructions that God already had given to them. Look at Matthew 28. It is a famous passage spoken by Jesus. All authority in heaven and earth is given to me, so now go Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the Apostle Paul and his friends were obeying the Great Commission, that wherever you go, in fact, it would be a, a more accurate description of those words go, of that word go, go therefore into all the world. There's, it's, if you peel back the, the definitions there, it sounds more like as you're going, on your way, as you're going, 
share the gospel. As you're going, tell people about Jesus. Where, you, could, you could interpret it this way. Everywhere you go, tell them about Jesus. This is something that is clear. It is a statistic. The older you are as a Christian, in other words, the more years you've been a Christian, the less you obey this verse. And it's the, part of the reason is because you, you start to gather friends around you who believe what you believe. You know, all your Facebook friends are people that believe exactly like you do. So that's why the rants don't work. Okay, too, too soon? Okay. There, we, we surround ourselves. We can end up in a bubble sometimes. You really have to work. You really have to be attentive. You really have to be willing to obey this general instruction. This is a big instruction that we're all invited to. And so there's this big thing that God said, and then for Paul, he was obeying this, but then he obeyed even something more specific when he was called and commissioned to preach to the Gentiles. Acts 13, verse 2 through 3 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul, or which is Paul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. So they, sent, they were sent out specifically for this task. So the Apostle Paul and his team were following these instructions that God had already given them. They were already doing what they were supposed to do, and they went to Asia. God, and then when they got to Asia, guess what happened? God said, no, I don't want you to go into Asia. Is that crazy or what? Like you pray, you fast, and then you let people lay hands on them, and then they send, and then they get there, and they're like, yes, we're going to share the gospel. Nope. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're like, I prayed, like some, I'm, this is going to be so awesome, and then you go, and it's like, it doesn't work out anything like you thought it would. I want to suggest to you that this is how God works, and that, and that the inward witness is how he wants to direct you. God knew there was another part of the world more receptive to the gospel, and God knew it was the northern part of Greece, and that's Macedonia that was ripe for the message of life. So God knows the difference and the receptivity of people, and he prompts the apostle Paul with a vision. Look at verse 7. He says, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. And the apostle Paul and his team, they were moving forward where they thought they should go, but Jesus didn't let them. So when the Holy Spirit witnesses against, everybody say against, against something, we, this is like, this is kind of like a spiritual gut check, right? Some people have called it, I have a, like a check in my spirit, like I just feel hesitant, right? But it's more than a feeling. It's more than, it's more than being afraid of going down a hill at 40 miles an hour on a scooter. It's something more than that. It's, it's a strong sense that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's like a red light or a yellow light that you're traveling down this road that you're on. And I want you to notice that it's a response. They're already moving and the Holy Spirit's speaking to them and beginning to redirect them. Since you're moving down a path, God begins to direct you and redirect you. My dad has said something to me 
over many years. I remember him saying to me for the first time when I was a young man in high school or college, and, and, and I was trying to figure out how to hear God's voice and how to go and how to do what he wanted me to do, and I wasn't sure that anyone would ever employ me or that I would have skills that anybody would care about. And he said, son, this is it, son, it's really hard to drive a parked car. Deep thoughts with Ken Parsley. This is, this is meaningful. This is substantive. It's really hard to drive a parked car. You can't drive a parked car. It's really hard to turn the wheels. If the car's moving, really easy to drive. God steers you if you'll move. You have to re really understand that God's voice gets clearer when we're moving with him in obedience. God's voice gets clearer when we're moving with him in obedience. And you have to, un you have to see this. Like you have, to, you have to contextualize it for your own life. And, and what you have to do is experiment a little bit. Because you don't always, you ever, <laughs> do you ever really feel like you just don't know what you're doing? I feel that way a lot. And I don't think God necessarily is trying to get you to know what you're doing. He wants to get you to know what he's doing. You, you, so, so, so we tune into God's voice because we're obeying the Great Commission. That means everywhere we go, wherever we go, we're going to share the love of Jesus with people. But then we got to get more specific, like where should we do this? And we move to Austin because it's such a cool city. So many great eating places and people everywhere that need Jesus and so you move to Austin and you feel directed or you get a job or you're looking for work and you're, you're praying about where to work and where to live because where you live is really important because that's going to have a bearing on how your life begins to unfold, who God wants you to share community with and his message with. See, moving is not just about the house. It's not just about the apartment. It's not just about the square footage. If you're a Christian, it's about more than that. And you and I have to be open to that. So you're moving, you move to the city, you move to an apartment, you, you get in your apartment, you realize now it becomes even more specific. You're obeying these general things, but, but it starts to become specific. And you meet your next door neighbors, Tom and Sue. And as you meet them, it's like you can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit wanting to share the message of life with them. But, but you may even, like Paul, have a moment where the Holy Spirit says, whoa, whoa, don't share with Tom and Sue. They ain't ready. <laughs> just, just be nice. Just be a good neighbor. But then Terry and Sheila across the hall, they are really ready, and you, you sense it. And, you, and, and you, 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 you're wondering if you should share the gospel and you're praying about it, you're praying for them and suddenly there's a moment, you have them over for dinner or there you're hanging out with them and you're becoming friends and there's a moment when you'll know this is it. But here's, here's, here's my concern. Most of us don't get to that point because we're not moving towards them. We're not moving with God. We're just stuck. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? We're just, trying to, we're just trying to listen instead of letting him steer us. He wants us to be dependent on him and his voice. What better way to learn that than to move forward and then, whoa, whoa, hang on. Okay, go over here. Nope, not there. Right here. Okay, good. That's how God directs us. 
When we came to Austin, I remember we, I, I, I told God, I've told you this story before, but I would go anywhere to have a church, any building, just not a movie theater. We started in a movie theater. It was totally awesome. It was totally God. But before that, we tried to start the church at St. Edwards University. I love St. Edwards University. If you've ever been there, it's so beautiful. Oh, what views. Great. It's just like this little gem in the middle of the city, and, and the buildings are so beautiful, and the grass is so green, and it's just incredible. And so we were going to use their little uh, uh, auditorium, and we were going to use the cafeteria for kids, and, and all this stuff. And we, we, were, we had several meetings with them, and, and then we came down to the day we were going to sign on the dotted line, and the guy called me and said, nope, we're not going to be able to do it. So sorry. Their board had decided they just weren't ready. I was like, God, I thought this was it. I thought this was what you, you said to me. No, I was listening to me anywhere but a movie theater. <laughs> the movie theater was brilliant for us, but I had to move. I had to keep moving. And so I had to keep finding a place. And listen, it's hard to find a place to, to have a church in Austin. There aren't too many buildings. And that's why there's churches in every school. This very building right here is so expensive because it is in a, it's a commercial office building on the southwest side of Austin. It's terrible. It's like highway robbery. <laughs> it's, it, but it is what the market will bear. So I've got guys out looking for property, good, looking for space, because we got to figure this out. The countdown has started. We signed a four-year lease just last year at the beginning of, uh, at the end of last year. And, and so now the countdown has started. If we found a piece of land, it would take three years to get developed. If we, if we, and there's not many pieces of land within seven miles of here. I mean, it's a deal. I don't know what the solution is exactly, but I know we have to keep moving. I know we have to keep pushing. I know we have to let God direct us. And so this is how we have to live. And, and sometimes... God will tell you something right up front that you're supposed to do and you like know it and you go for it, the job you're supposed to take, uh, who you're supposed to hire, but then sometimes there's just an inward witness like, oh, this is, this is where I should go, a response to the steps that God wants to give you. But you gotta start by doing what you know to do. Do what you know to do and God's voice will get more specific. Do what you know to do, and God's voice will get more specific. Sometimes people, they want to do all kinds of ministry, but they won't get involved with their local church. They want to do great things, but they, they don't want to do it. They, 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 they want to start with great things. They don't want God to promote them by their faithfulness. Listen, people, one of the things we have in our church is Helping people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. Why do we say that? Because no matter where you are on the journey, the goal is to move closer to him. If you don't even know him, we just want you to take a step towards him. If you've known him for years, there's more. And I find that, we, that when we move, that we get unstuck. Some people, they're static in their spirituality. They're, they're like, they, they, they have, they're, they're stuck and they, 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 need to, they need to find a, a new way that God is directing them and speaking to them, but they're just sitting. 
The reason I want you to join a team and serve in this church is because it gets you moving. You're moving towards people. The reason I want you to get up, I know you're busy. I know everybody, oh, I'm so busy, so much at work, it's so hard. You don't want to go to a group that's near you because you're so busy. But if you'll move, if you'll go to a group, if you'll get community, if you'll meet people, if you'll let yourself experience this, if you'll move towards God in this way, you will find that he's speaking to you. You'll find that he's speaking to you. An Old Testament example that gives us a little different perspective is Exodus 20. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. Now, where is this? This is Mount Sinai. This is Moses at the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. And so he's receiving the Ten Commandments, but God now wants to speak to everybody. He wants to speak to Moses so that everybody can hear his voice. And so they come to the foot of the mountain, the mountain's on fire, and there's smoke everywhere. And look at what, look at what he says to Moses. He says, um, or here's what they did when they came to the mountain. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. This is what a bunch of you, you want me to speak to you, but you don't want to exercise, you don't want to learn how to listen yourself because it takes work, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes focus, and it is a little scary. Don't listen to me. This is not, well, okay, you can listen to me, <laughs> but don't take what I have to say just because I'm saying it. You need to study the scriptures yourself. As we said last week, you get the scriptures into you because they're what God's voice sounds like. You get used to hearing what his voice sounds like and you can start to hear him yourself. Verse 20 says, Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God may be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. This is the moment where the people of Israel said, we don't want God to speak to us. Israel had just been delivered from Egypt by God's great power, but they were resistant to hearing God's voice. It is always God's desire to dwell with people and to speak directly to them, but these people refused out of fear. I don't want you to do the same thing. They were more comfortable with somebody else telling them what to do. But for the Israelites, this decision, this moment at the mountain determined the next 40 years because that whole generation, everybody who stood at that mountain and heard this voice of God, everybody, everybody that, were the, the, that witnessed the smoke and the fire, they died in the wilderness. Don't refuse. Don't refuse to cultivate the listening ear to God. They refused to move, and consequently, they got stuck in the wilderness. All of us have a tendency to get stuck in life. We need to move forward. Now, I want to offer a little bit of tension here before we finish. This tension, and I want you to write this down because I think this applies to what we're talking about, about moving. Because what do you, where do you move to, or how fast do you move? I want to explore that. I want you to learn, you and I have to learn, when we hear God's voice, we have to learn to explore without commitment. 
It's an interesting concept. I'm not talking about not being committed to God or not being committed to uh, people. There, but there's a thing here where you have to explore without commitment. Or to say it positively, you have to move and listen at the same time. I know, it's big. I know. Move and listen. It's like chewing gum and walking at the same time. You got to move and listen. You got to move and then be attentive. Some people try to move forward and they stop listening. They're just like, oh, I got it. I'm going. And they stop listening. Some people, they're just sitting there and they won't move and they're just trying to hear. Explore and listen together with God. Explore and listen together with him, with his spirit, because that's how we manage and navigate this life. That's how the journey looks. We've got to hear God's voice. We've got to check things out before you make your final commitment, because it's not just you that is making this decision. It's the person that you've surrendered your life to helping to make this decision. And he's in charge. And so the final decision belongs to him, not to you. It's like as if you work for, with somebody, you work for a boss, and you're, you're, you're checking out this, this um, new system or, or whatever, you're, or you're about to make a purchase, you do all the research. You're looking at all the research, you're going down the path, you think this is the number one option, and you, you go all the way down, but before you purchase, before you make the decision, you got to check with the boss. That's how the Christian life is. That's what developing an inward witness is. The worst three words you can say to God at any time, I got this. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Learn to be directed and then redirected. So you got to move, but not too fast. And as you do, you will find that God begins to speak to you and direct your steps. When I was... When I was getting ready to um, figure out what the next step is that God wanted in our church, where, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? It was 2012. We started the church in 2010. We were right here in this commercial office building, and we were growing, and, and, and I, I was trying to figure it out, and a, and a, a school called us, Westlake Performing Arts Center. And we were bulging at the seams, and, and, and we didn't have some of the space we have now. We, it wasn't available. And so we were trying to figure out what our next move was. We'd been here for a year, and, and, and we, we started praying about whether we should go to Westlake Performing Arts Center. And we did all the research. Like, we're, we're looking at it. It's a beautiful facility, $17 million sound system, sound and lights, incredible. It was awesome. Beautiful auditorium with, like, moving walls where you could expand the number of seats. It was it's an amazing location. And we're like, okay, we're here. And then this is like, it's like five minutes, six minutes up the road, up um, Mopac and, and then up 360. And we're like, this is, this, this is, this is going to work. This is going to be good. And I had this little tiny voice on the inside of me. And I, did, I didn't know it then. I, I can look back now and, and tell you this. I, di I didn't understand it then, uh, but I was, I, I was agonizing over it because I, I just had this, uh, this tiny little hesitation. But everybody I talked to was like, yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is great. Yes. And, and so then we made this list of demands <laughs> and went back to them. They gave us all, all the demands, knocked down the price, all this stuff. 
<laughs> it, was, it was this amazing opportunity, and we decided, okay, this must be right. It just keeps happening. We just keep, and we went to Westlake Performing Arts Center and spent a year there, and some great stuff happened there. Jesus met some people. Some of you are here at this church because you found it at Westlake. But what ultimately happened was we stopped growing. And as we hit a wall, we hit the wall of, of um, what's, what, how segmented this city is. We hit the wall of Westlake as a, as a, as a place that's really well-defined. We were descending on a place where we didn't live. We learned a whole bunch of things about being at Westlake. In fact, at 78704, you know this, you know this zip code, right? It's, it's 78704 is like east of Westlake, four miles. It is the hip zip code of South Austin. It is where the cool people actually live. And, and, and it's got a, a bunch of really awesome businesses there. And it is a place that needs more churches, by the way. And so 7704 is four miles from Westlake. Those people will never drive the four miles to an auditorium like that. I learned that at Westlake. I, and so I agonized that year. We finally, we couldn't, we, we, as, as we couldn't grow in that, in that space, in that location, which we couldn't figure out exactly why, but I was discovering it about this city. And so we couldn't keep going with the payment here and the payment there. So we came back here. We let go of the, of the weekend venue set up and tear down thing. And we came back here. But it was there. It was at this moment that God put the seed in my heart. Where I realized he wanted us to do church differently in Austin. That Austin's going to require a different way for one chapel. And it was there that God birthed in my heart. 10 communities in 10 years. Why is that? I thought I was, <laughs> I actually thought, I went to Westlake and it stopped growing. I thought, I've killed the church. <laughs> I've killed it. Hey, I got, a, I got a cool lesson for you though. You can't kill the church. I can't kill the church. There's a lot of bad stuff that has happened in church life in America, but no one can kill it. You know why? Because Jesus builds his church. At the end of the day, Jesus builds his church, and it can withstand anything, even the gates of hell. That's what, that's what the scripture says, right? So he builds the church. You know what he tells us to do? Make disciples. We want to build the church and hope Jesus makes some disciples. <laughs> don't we? That's it's way harder to make disciples. Look, don't, you, we're not talking about building a church. We're talking about making disciples. And what Austin is going to require is we need to be in all kinds of places within this city. We need to dot the landscape. We need to own our communities. We need to be a church everywhere that we live because this, church, this city does not have enough churches. 4.7 churches per 10,000 people is what Austin is. The national average is 12. 12 churches per 10,000 people. We, we're, we're never going to catch up no matter how many, but the gospel needs to be planted in our city. And it was Westlake. It was moving to Westlake that showed me that. It was God redirecting us. Listen, I am not afraid to make mistakes as your pastor. I'm not afraid to take risks. I hate them. <laughs> I hate failure. <laughs> I hate missing it. 
But I don't think there's any other way if we're going to choose to be dependent on Jesus himself to lead us and guide us. There's no other way to do this. You can't live the Christian life if you're going to try to figure everything out first. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Now, why? It's like, it's like if it's hearing God's voice sometimes, it's, it's like if Lori and her husband, Darren, they invited us to dinner and they gave me the directions and they handed them to me. And they said, okay, here's, here's our house, and, and, and so here's the directions, and, and you guys can come over. And then when she handed them to me, though, she did this first. Here you go. There's the directions. That's what it feels like listening to God's voice sometimes, doesn't it? It's like, why do we have to piece it together? Like, we, like we, okay, I, uh, I think he said this, and then there was this one. What? How come? Why? Ah, I, okay. Oh, I see it. Here it is. Okay, I think we go this way. That, don't you feel like it? That's what God's voice feels like sometimes? I think he does that on purpose. But I think, it's, I think there are reasons for it. Look, I'll, I'll, finish your, I'll finish your handout, and then we'll go, okay? Finish your handout. Look at it. Finish your handout. <laughs> People are like, what? 